Vast Randomizer Podcast. I am your host, Fear Agent. Welcome to the Season 2 finale with today's guest, ALG Andy. I mean, just just Andy. <laughs> when I started in this community, I believe uh, he was going by ALG Andy. That was like an esports team or something that he was a part of. But that's going way back. We had a really good conversation. I had a lot of fun talking with Andy. Uh, I was really glad to have Andy on the show and to end season two with him. And I did my best to not like fangirl out too much on on Andy because he's a bit of a celebrity in the community. You know, he's the one that was uh, on on GDQ and so many people saw it and got interested and learned about the game. So obviously a good dude and really important part of helping the community grow. So yeah, really excited about the conversation that we had and for you all to hear it. Uh, this past 216 Weekly, we had Zelga and Telethar playing standard cross keys. Really, really interesting seed. I would check it out if you enjoy some nonsense. Uh, we restream it on my channel, twitch.tv slash fearagent underscore. And I'll be trying to get those up on YouTube. I, I'm a bit behind on that. Had uh, Dr. Earworm on as Cocom, and we had a good time. It was a silly, silly seat. <laughs> really silly. Uh, I don't want to spoil it, but uh, if you like nonsense, I would download the seed. It's in the 216 Weekly channel, and check that one out. Uh, Telethar won the restream, and for this week's 216 Weekly, has chosen Pilot Spoiler Keys. So we're going to try a little something different. We're going to do a little co-op this weekend. Every 216 Weekly, of course, is at noon Eastern uh, on Saturdays. I restream it on my channel, twitch.tv slash reagent underscore. Open to everyone, but you're going to need a partner for this one. And we'll be playing Pilot Spoiler Keys. So Pilot Spoiler Keys, it's uh, it's one of those modes. It was born out of the league. We were trying to come up with other co-op modes other than co-op AD. Because at the time, co-op wasn't played much. And if it was, it was just played as co-op AD, uh, all dungeons. There wasn't any other sort of co-op. I think some people try to play a little bit of co-op cr cross keys. But cross keys hadn't exploded yet in uh, the popularity. So there was a hesitancy to play to play cross keys. So it didn't really catch on. Co-op reference is the closest thing that we've gotten to a co-op entrance mode. But... But back in season two, we were trying to come up with a couple of different ways to play co-op other than just co-op AD. And it was Sir Linkalot who approached me with the idea of this mode, as I was the only admin back then. And, and he was one of the, the few mods that we had on the team and was really influential in trying to help uh, the league grow at the time and, and was a real, real big part in those, in those early seasons. So he brought the idea of pilot spoiler co-op key sanity. And I believe I was like, okay, let's, let's try it out. You know, I remember the first one that, that they did, it was him and Dante on a secret Dante channel. And I watched the two of them to play through the seed and it was a lot of fun and it was really interesting and it was something different and I uh, thought it would be a cool idea. And so we brought it to the league season two and it is one of those modes that you either love or hate. There's not a lot of in between. Some people really love the mode and then some people really hate it. I'm a bit in between, like I don't have a love or a hate for it. There's also the perspective of the admin mod team of having to deal with all of the hassle of it. Because when you when you start dealing with spoilers and co-op, things can kind of get murky because the rules are pretty straightforward when you're playing a randomizer seed. You don't watch your opponent. You don't get outside help, you know, and co-op goes outside of that and then spoiler co-op goes outside that even more and then when you get to spoiler log it's always about how do you parse the information and what tools can you use to help you parse that information and it's real basic you can use copy and paste you can use any program that has copy and paste you just can't use any any sort of automation to help you parse the log so you would think it'd be simple you think it'd be you know 
don't do anything that's outside of that. But for some reason, that brings up a thousand more questions. And then that invites discussion and arguments and blah, 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 blah. And it got really annoying for the admin and mod crew. And so that's why it's no longer, from what I understand, like I didn't make the decision for this season as I'm I'm not a part of the, the admin team, but I totally understand not wanting to have that as a, as a mode in season five. They've said they might bring it back and I wouldn't be surprised to see it in season six. Getting back to the mode, I think the mode is fun. I think, it, I think it's fun. It's challenging. There's no prep time. So your pilot gets the the log on go and has to parse it while the person's playing and you have the added key sanity which makes it uh, all that more difficult because you have to figure out which dungeons you need to complete which keys you need which big keys you need which items you need it's a lot to 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 parse and so both pilot and runner have a lot going on at all times so it's a really interesting mode and that's what we're going to be playing this weekend for the 216 weekly. So grab a partner and one will be running, one will be reading, and we will do some spoiler co-op keys. It's really fun. I think I enjoy it in the league because it is just one week, right? I think that's kind of what makes the league what it is. I'm going to keep the intro short and I'm going to talk about the season and the future of 216 after the interview with Andy. So if you want to know what the future of 216 is and my thoughts on the season overall, uh, make sure you stick around after the interview. But I have a really great interview with Andy, and let's not waste any time. Let's get to it. Here's Andy. All right, Andy. So I'm not going to lie. I'm going to fanboy out a little bit today because, and I'm sure you've heard the story a million times from everyone. You're the reason that I played this game, right? Like I play Rando because I saw you and Christos own do the race at, at GDQ. So I think I can try to consider myself a peer after being in the community for four years. But part of <laughs> me is going to fangirl out a little bit and, and, uh, be a little, uh, it's a little weird, honestly, to have you here when, you know, when you watch someone for a long time and then you kind of have a conversation for them, it's like, are they real people? You, you have a little bit of a celebrity status, whether it, whether you like it or not. And whether it's like, <laughs> you know, Hollywood or, or streamer, but people know who you are. And you're actually the first person to ever fangirl about me. So, uh, <laughs> good, good. I'm glad I have that. Uh, I have that distinction, man. All right. So, I mean, we, we've got a lot to cover in a short amount of time. So let's kind of start with how you got introduced to to Link to the Past Randomizer. I think we'll start there. Were you here? Were you playing the game already? Were you speedrunning the game when Randomizer was created? Like, what, what's your story as far as uh, Ooh, your introduction right. to Rando? Let's go. Let's go all the way back to uh, 2012, shall we? Okay. <laughs> Um, April 2012, my uh, one of my best friends at the time introduced me to Twitch. Mm. Um, it was uh, Siglemic was doing a lot of Mario 64 70 star attempts, and that was like my first delve into speedrunning, basically. And I was like, "Whoa, okay. this is really cool!" Like, I played this game a lot as a kid. This dude is really good. Uh, I probably watched for a couple weeks. And then I was like, you know, I really like to link to the past. Link to the past was my favorite game as a kid growing up. I played uh, a lot with my mom. It was the first game that I hundred uh, percented by myself. Mm. So I was like, I wonder if there's any uh, link to the past speed runs out there. So I stumbled onto a good pal of mine, King Hippo 423, and I saw him doing a uh, link to the past any percent no save and quit. Okay, as it was <laughs> as it was named back then, uh, and I was <laughs> like, that's really cool. I want to do this. So I did that while I was in college and post college, and then um, 
Yeah, I was uh, I was four years deep into Link to the Past when Randomizer came out. Okay, so in 2012 was that was it Twitch then, or was it Justin TV? Or it was Twitch, but okay. they were like Justin TV still existed. Oh, I see. Um, Twitch was just like the, the gaming section of Justin TV. Oh, okay. like there wasn't anything that wasn't gaming allowed on Twitch. Yet. Oh, I see. No hot tub streams yet. Nope, no hot tub streams. <laughs> no money makers, unfortunately. <laughs> so in that in that four years before the randomizer had come out, where you were just just spent that time doing speedruns and this was more of like a hobby, right? Yep, definitely more of a hobby. Um I uh yeah, lots of speedrunning. Like back in twenty twelve, there was basically just like any percent and a hundred percent. Uh so there wasn't like like a lot of the glitches that that people know about today like hadn't right. been discovered yet. So there really like wasn't that much to do in the video game yet. Mm-hmm. Um and then like 20, 2013 into twenty fourteen, I think, is when um when Yuzuhara ended up starting uh to just like crack crack Break that bad it. boy open. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> and so like that's when any percent RMG, as it's known now, uh, first started becoming a thing. That's when all dungeons, um, RMG became a thing. And so, you know, there, there was a little bit more to do like post, you know, like just no major glitches stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, I was, I was pretty close to like my burnout point come 2016, uh, speed running wise. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I mean, you're playing one game and you're trying to get really good with it. Was your times like, like drastically improving over those four years? Um, yeah, I would, I would like to say so. Um, mm-hmm. I, I was, I think I peaked at like number eight in NMG. Oh. Okay. My first 125, I think was number eight or number seven. Wow. Um, and then I, I had a couple chances at hundred percent world record back in the day when it was, mm-hmm. uh, incredibly unoptimized, um, <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but could never, could never clutch it up when the RNG, uh, blessed me. Um, there's actually, there's a really good clip of me, uh, getting, I got literal perfect RNG and hundred percent, zero blue balls, one dig, one chess game. Uh-huh. And I pushed the block the wrong way in ice palace and threw my controller oh, at my, my super Nintendo. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> oh, that's uh, awful. Yeah. There's a, there's a really good clip of that, uh, somewhere <laughs> out there. <laughs> so in 2012, what did NMG, I guess, look like? Was hammer yump a thing by then? Nope. Wow. No hammer jump. Um, hammer yump got found in 2012. It, uh, it was found, oh, it was like, it was, uh, towards the, t- like September or October, 2012, I'd like to say. I think, um, Cypher who ran it at AGDQ 2013 did do hammer jump and it was like, create that was like the hardest thing mm. in the entire run like by far <laughs> yeah um and uh i think i think he did go for it in that run i don't know if he got it or not i'm sure he did he was on like crazy good pace uh uh during that marathon run but yeah the record was uh 126.33 wow <laughs> which is like what like a hundredth now or something like that (laughs) right yeah um yeah it was it was like super bare bones i think like right when i started learning the speed run fake flippers had just gotten found oh wow wow so were people playing on the 1.0 back then too yes because if you didn't have a lot of glitches it didn't matter as much right like if you're not fake flipping and it didn't matter as much there's like the the text was like the big time save Mm, um right and then torch glitch was like the probably 
the big 1.0 glitch. Oh, okay. Because uh, yeah, that doesn't that work sense. in 1.2. I see. But yeah, like item dashing was whatever. Like hook speed wasn't found for a while. Um, mm-hmm. But like uh, item dashing, like hammer dashing and stuff. It was pretty much just hammer dashing and like the one or two boomerang dashes in Hera. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So let's go back even further then because you talked about Uh-oh. playing Link to the Past with your mom. So kind of tell me your history as far as gaming. Were you gaming since you can remember as a kid? Did you start yeah, with a NES? Or? So I'm not entirely sure. Pretty sure I started with the NES. Um mm-hmm. My dad was a gamer and my dad got my mom into games and then they both got me into games. Mm -hmm. Um, We definitely had an NES, like one of my, I don't even know if it's really a memory, but like, you know, if you, uh, you like see videos or pictures of your past, you like (laughs) form the memory in your head. Like you Uh remember exactly what happened. Um, My, my dad uh, would use me as a grind monkey in Zelda two. Uh, and I would, I would just like stay around like the initial, like starting palace area and fight the mobs for like barely any experience. Um, just to level up. (laughs) Yep. Just to level up. Um, (laughs) but, uh, so you definitely had the NES growing up. I'm not entirely sure when the SNES got introduced in our family. Like I, I don't have any memories of that, but, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, my mom and I would play like donkey kong country series uh just because you could do like you know two-player co-op right. with that. and then we we were all big zelda fans so we play zelda a lot um yeah and then and then when um my mom <laughs> we lived with my grandparents when i was really young and so my mom finally like moved out like with a boyfriend or whatever after my parents got divorced and um so i was just with my grandparents and i still played a lot of games um i <laughs> i would get 20 minutes of of gaming before bed at night because I would uh, have to <laughs> n- take my nebulizer medicine because of my oh, asthma. Wow. Okay. So that's like core memory is me with a, a thing strapped to my face while I'm playing Illusion of Gaia. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I did that a lot. Wow. So where did it go from there? Did you continue with Nintendo or were you the type of gamer that wanted to play all of it? So my my dad had the Sega and my my mom had the Nintendo. Mm, so it was a like a rivalry. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, So so we got to play like Sonic and uh, uh, was it? I really loved Vector Man for the Sega Genesis. I played the heck out of Vector Man. Yeah. Uh, And then yeah, uh, Super Nintendo at my grandparents and my my mom's place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, pretty pretty constant gaming probably until high school. uh, Gaming kind of took a backseat to sports and. sports <laughs> sure sure so did um as a kid were you naturally good at the game did you feel like you were like one of the kids that would like play to completion or what was your your kind of play style did people go to you and say hey andy knows how to beat this level and, and kind of do that kind of stuff or did it take a while for you to get to that spot i don't know i feel like everybody always remembers them being better at games than they actually were <laughs> sure um yeah. i feel like i was okay at video games mm-hmm when I first started speedrunning and like playing games, I like very vividly remember being like, man, was I always this bad? Mm, uh, sure. So I remember it was like when I started, I was in college. I didn't have like a like a console or a CRT or anything. So I played on emulator with my my keyboard. Mm. Um, and like the first time I picked up a Super Nintendo controller, which must have been like the first time I'd picked one up in like seven or eight years. Uh mm-hmm. 
I was like, I like couldn't walk in a straight line. Basically, I was like, there's no way that right. it was like this before. <laughs> sure. uh, yeah. So as a, as you got older and you said you got into sports and stuff, you weren't playing like 64 or Xbox or, or PlayStation or any of that stuff. Um, I would on like my mom had a, a lot of our older gaming stuff at her place. Mm-hmm. And so I would go visit her on the weekends. And so I'd play sometimes uh, while we were there, but she, she bought a Wii. So she was super into mm-hmm. like playing Wii games. So like the, the older retro stuff kind of got like put in the, the basement or whatever. Sure. Uh, so we didn't sure, play sure. that as much. Um, but in high school I had like a, an Xbox 360 and I'd play like, you know, Madden and Halo and Gears of War with right. friends. Um, that wasn't super often. Um, mm-hmm. It was usually on weekends as well. But yeah, mostly, mostly during the week, it was, it was homework and sports. Okay. So you get introduced to Twitch in 2012 and you start doing the, the link to the past grind. Are you doing any other speed runs at this point or is is it mostly just link to the past? It was, I'd probably say it was like 80% a link to the past. And then I took like some, some mental, mental breaks, uh, with like Mario 64 learning Mm -hmm. and doing bingos and stuff. I did some Super Metroid back in the day. Um, I didn't uh, back then. I didn't take it too super seriously. I wanted like a sub one, and I I got a sub one any percent. I think I, I ended up getting down to like a fifty six or something before I stopped with Super Metroid. Okay. And Ori and the Blind Forest was the other big one. Oh, okay. And that's that's probably like the most amount of time I spent away from a link to the past. So as you're doing this, you're in college, right? So you're not so speed running and and all this other stuff isn't streaming full time, isn't. Uh, in your purview at this point right you're just kind of doing it as a hobby and kind of wasting time yeah yeah i um i uh, i uh, stopped college in 2013 i believe and then started working so i was still streaming uh but it was like relatively inconsistent just because my schedule was inconsistent right like most people in the community right like we we stream when we do races or or want to do some like fun stuff but we're not doing it as a day job correct so when does that sort of happen? Does that come after Link to the Past? When you decide I'm going to do this for a living? It comes towards the beginning of Randomizer. Okay. Actually. Um, so it's kind of interlinked then, the Randomizer and, of, and you. Yeah. Uh, okay, so can you, can you tell me a little bit about how, how they kind of work together? Uh, So let's see, Rando came out in 2016 at some point. And my, my like 2015 to 2016 was really weird. I got promoted to be a uh, a front end manager at a grocery chain that I was working at. Um, big time, yeah, big time. Um, <laughs> and then I was I was living in a piece of property that my grandparents owned, and you know I was renting it from them. And uh, they they called me up one day in in 2016 and were like, hey, uh, we're going to sell the place. uh, So you need to move. And I was like, oh, okay, Uh, that's cool. Like (laughs) not entirely surprised, but a little surprised, I guess. Sure. Yeah. Um, And so at that point, I'm like trying to figure out what exactly uh, I want to do. Where do I want to go? I'd lived in the the D.C. greater metro area for basically my whole life. Hmm. Uh, up to that point so i was like maybe it's time to uh, move somewhere else for a change um and so i moved to wisconsin wow why wisconsin um <laughs> i had uh, my good friend i pie 
fellow full-time streamer uh, lived out there and was moving out of his parents' house for the first time. And then another one of my friends was moving in with him into a house. They were getting like a a four bedroom uh, house out there Uh, and it was pretty cheap. Um, I think our, our our four bedroom house was, it was two stories. It was probably like, I don't know, 1800 square feet or something like that on like Mm -hmm. a, almost an acre of land. And it was like 300 a month for all of us. What? Yeah. No, that's ridiculous. (laughs) Wow. So, so like the, the, the cheap factor was, was part of it, but all like, you know, I just wanted to, to like fully get away from like family relatives, whatever, for a little while and just experience Mm -hmm. life on my own. Sure. Like, you know, even, even living, you know, 40 minutes from my parents, I was still going to have dinner with them like every week, every other week. Mm -hmm. It was your chance to like grow up, right? Like get out and do your own thing and kind of become your own man and stuff. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. So, so to grow up, I decided to try full-time streaming. (laughs) (laughs) The surefire Um, grow up, play video games. Yeah. Oh yeah. My, uh, my parents were uh, (laughs) extremely happy with that decision. I'm sure Uh, they were. (laughs) (laughs) But, but yeah, like for real, like, you know, working in the in the retail industry, um, it's not super easy to just like move to a different city and get a job unless it's with yeah. like the same company. Mm-hmm. And so I had like a ton of interviews lined up with like store managers and corporates. And, um, and so while I was doing that, I was like, well, listen, I like don't have a job right now. Um, my stream is doing OK. Uh, I had had Twitch partner for two years at that point. Oh, OK. So I was like, let's see, I, uh, I've never been able to stream regularly, like with the schedule, like every day, so let's right. just try it for a little while and see how it goes. And now we're here six years later. Yeah. That's awesome. So you got partner without becoming like, without the plan of doing, doing this full time. How, how did that go? Cause the partner grind, uh, we talked to Willard uh, a week ago about how shitty the grind was. Was that the same for you? Kind of partner was way different back then. Like Mm -hmm. if you, if you could pull off like, you don't have to like have like a whole month long of numbers. Uh, the numbers game also was like extremely undefined. Mm. Uh, it was like, Hey, average like 200 viewers. But like, if you were a big name or if like they looked at your stream and you had a bunch of viewers for like a week, they would just give you partner. Okay. Okay. But so leading up to HDQ 2014, which was my first games done quick run. Um, and any percent an MG race against Solidus. I was pulling in um, like, you know, two to 300 viewers per stream for prep. And so I was like, oh, this is cool. Mm-hmm. Maybe I can apply for partner. Um, back then, they also didn't have transcoding options for most people. Mm-hmm. And so if you were in like the top percentage of people live at the time, you would get transcoding options. And what oh. that would do back in the day is it would cut your VOD and then go live again with transcoding options, which <laughs> oh, wow. uh, is counterproductive to speed running. <laughs> sure is. So, yeah. so the, the big, <laughs> the big reason to get partner back then was just to get transcoding options basically. Wow. And so, so yeah, I had like two to 300 viewers, sometimes more um, for like a solid couple of weeks leading up to GDQ. And so the day I left for GDQ, I applied for Twitch partner. And, um, <clears throat> I get back, you know, GDQ is a week long, so I didn't stream for a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get back and they're like, uh, denied you don't stream enough. <laughs> 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 I 
I'm like, all right, cool. Um, so fast forward a couple months. Um, I, I, uh, helped organize and host, uh, what we called a uh, mega marathon, which was a marathon, like a, I don't know. I don't remember if it was an entire week long. It might've been like six days or five days of, um, 24 seven speed runs to, uh, get our friends from Australia to SDQ. Mm, okay. And so we raised money for that and I did it on my channel. And we jokingly called it uh, the Get Andy Partnerathon because <laughs> <laughs> because uh, a week long of like you know eight hundred to like fifteen hundred viewers uh, was like guaranteed partner basically. Sure, yeah. So, <laughs> that's so funny. yeah, that's 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 how that's how I got partner. I really think I I should have gotten it before AGDQ twenty fourteen, sure. but you know yeah. it's whatever. You got punished for going to the to the GDQ. So yeah, exactly. Also, gosh, I'm trying to think of like early GDQs. How, when did GDQ start, and when did you kind of get involved? Oh my god! When did GDQ start? That's a really good question. Because you know, we think of it now; it's huge, and, and it has been that for the last few years. But it's you know, you look at some of the early ones, and it was it was pretty small. I know they were raising a decent amount of money back then, but not not like they are today. Yeah. So the the first one that I went to was HDQ 2013. Okay. Um, like, you know, I relatively recent to the speedrunning community. Um, it was, uh, pretty tight knit, basically all of it was just, uh, in an IRC server for mm. speedruns live. Okay. Um, when, when it was actually like used, <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, and then like the different communities would have their own, like, like sub channels, like hashtag ALTTP was the link to the past channel, like DKC, whatever. Um, but like, you know, most of the community did interact in the main, like speedruns live IRC channel. Wow. And, um, so I think it was probably like November of 2012, I like was getting better at speedrunning, and I was looking into like speed demos archive and like looking at like what has to be done to submit runs for this. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that there was a, a charity event that was like kind of close to where I lived. Um. I was like, oh, can I like still go to this? Uh, <laughs> they're like, yeah, sure. Uh, you just need to pay for a ticket. And it was like super cheap. Mm -hmm. It was hosted at the, the 4-H center in uh, right outside of Washington, D.C. And it was just like this little tiny uh, <laughs> convention. It wasn't even like a convention center. It was, right. it was like a it was kind of like a kid's like camp center like there was like a <laughs> okay there was like a couple big bigger rooms but it was mostly like really small like double bunk like hotel rooms ish mm. and so wow. it was it was uh it was it was it was a legitimate community center uh mm -hmm. <laughs> but um yeah that there was like 150 people there maybe um it was <laughs> very small yeah um so yeah. i so i got i got a taste of like the grassroots gdq before it really blew up in sure like 2014 2015 when was 2014 was your first run yep agdq 2014 and and you just submitted it as a a race yep it was a race between me and solidus okay did you kind of keep that up and continue want, wanting to go to to gdqs and try to try to submit uh different things over the years yeah we we i uh i've only missed even even up to now, um, not including, I guess I, I did miss this last SGDQ, but I missed one GDQ event from 
2013 to 2020. Wow. And that's, and that's how you're making like lots of connections, right? That's how all the streamers kind of, I guess, oh, come yeah. together and like really, you know, share ideas. I don't know. I've, I've never actually never been to a GDQ, but I, I imagine it's a, a great way of networking with, with, with others in the community. Yeah. I think it, it's a little different now. Like there's so many people there that it's, I feel like it's less about like the community mm. and more like, you know, different groups of people are going to see their like groups of right. friends they've, they've already known for a while. Right. Where in, in 2013, it was literally like everybody here loves speed running and like, you know, it's a small community. So everyone just gets to know each other. Right. Um, and that doesn't really happen anymore. Um, but uh, it was definitely um, like, <laughs> Similar to, to you, you know, fangirling at the beginning of this, uh, <laughs> sure, yeah. I, uh, I knew, I knew one person, uh, like, like we had talked regularly, uh, that went to AGDQ 2013. And so I'm standing there and, uh, like this mass of people come in and it's, uh, Dram 55, mm. Trihex, Siglemic, uh, Narcissa, uh, Golden, <laughs> just all walked in like simultaneously and it was like it was legitimately like the faces of speedrunning yeah from back then and i was just like sure. oh my god <laughs> i watch all of these people yeah <laughs> yeah totally it's weird we you know as we've as you know like when we were kids celebrity was a completely different thing where it's like you had to do tv or movies or whatever to get become a celebrity but now with the internet there's all these different levels of fame right so you know, there's some big streamers. Barb, for example, has has a lot of people watching his stream and he's relatively famous and does really well. But in, in the grand scheme of things, he's not really that famous. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't mean a lot to a lot of people. Right. Yeah. OK, so finally getting back to like Link to the Past randomizer, you're you're doing the, the, the vanilla game and you're kind of burnt out on it. I take it. Yep. I'm I'm real close to, to burnout um, after, you know, doing a ton of GDQ runs and like basically doing everything I could do with the game glitch wise um, up to that point, like pretty much after like mid 2014, I, I got my 125, which was like number seven, number eight in the world, whatever. I basically mm -hmm. dropped any NMG category and exclusively focused on glitch stuff. Cause it was more fun. Sure. Mix it up. And so there was like all dungeons, uh, any percent, uh, Reverse boss order, swordless, like all of those things were were more towards the tail end of like my speed run career for going to sure. the past, I guess. Mm -hmm. And, you know, doing it for for that long, I was starting to get tired of it. And I was like, man, I don't know how much longer I'm going to be able to just like play this game. And then Randomizer came out and I was like, man, Randomizer is never going to work for this game. <laughs> it's going to be so bad. Yeah, uh, it just doesn't make sense. Uh, I'll stick with my Pokemon and Super Metroid randomizers. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, um, <were> you wrong. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and so I started playing it, and I'm like, "Wow, you know, this is kind of all right." Like, uh, I didn't really realize uh, that there were so many different options. Just because you know, it's it's hard to think about a game differently than like you playing it normally and like thinking about like. You know, oh, you can get the Village of Outcasts with the hammer and the glove, uh, or you know, the flippers and the hook shot after beating Agonim, or, or like whatever else. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's it's not super easy to like just visualize 
like randomizer concepts like that without like mm-hmm. seeing it in person. Sure. So yeah, randomizer was a really good time. And, you know, already being good at the game uh, <laughs> was a big help. Sure. Uh, sure. <laughs> but I mean, the people that are playing randomizer are the speedrunners, right? Like, it's not like it is now where everyone can kind of pick it up. It's the people that are kind of invested in, in getting good at the game. Right. Uh, I mean, at, at first, obviously, like it came from the speedrunning community. Right. Um, but at a certain point, like most of the speedrunners, uh, you know, are more focused on the speedrunning. Mm-hmm. So the amount of people who did it after the first couple of weeks was way more on the new to link to the past side than it was from the mm-hmm. speedrunners. I see. I see. Yeah, that makes sense. So did you help with any sort of development? Because the game as it was first developed in, in 2016, right? So we said, yep. To where it is now is very different. Uh, extremely different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I didn't do too much. I did a lot of like testing and like, like making sure like settings were functional and, you know, uh, like doing test seeds before like new logic uh, new logic stuff got released. Um, but my like actual help with anything on the technological side was, uh, non-existent. Sure. My brain is not big enough for that. <laughs> sure. But you obviously know <laughs> the game well enough to where you can play yeah. test and, and figure out if stuff works and kind of, yeah, test it out because it feels like that first, the first couple of years is kind of the beta of it, right? They're removing the text and they're figuring out the logic and then they're, you know, there's a lot of changes going on in the, in the first couple of years of, of rando that a lot of us weren't here for oh yeah for sure like the the first uh like six months to a year maybe was just like getting more things randomized uh like at the Mm. start all of the pendants and crystals were vanilla oh and npcs always gave major items so like the you know zora always had an inventory item sahashrila always had an inventory item Mm. so it was like get a bow and (laughs) beeline Eastern to get that Sahashrila item. Sure. There was also weird stuff like you could have one glove and hammer in the light world, but you couldn't have hammer and both gloves in the light worlds. Uh, <laughs> there, there was a lot of like funny stuff like that. That was right. That was implemented. And, and yeah, it just took time to, to, you know, figure out how exactly to randomize everything. Sure. Right. And how to do it. Right. Like, I, there, I don't think there was progressive items at first, right? You could just start oh, out with absolutely like not. <laughs> the gold sword or, or the mitts or whatever and totally break the game. Yeah, I um, I actually have the, the first Link to the Past randomized tournament. I lost to uh, uh, another speedrunner of the game at the time, Mike the Viewer, uh, due to the lack of progressive items. Oh, really? Uh, he, he died on the way to Ice Palace, or not Ice Palace, Ice Rod Cave ironic because i'm the only one that does that now um <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it had a glove but agonim was still required and then uh palace of darkness had the mushroom and the mushroom had the mitts and so that was way more natural of a check for him because of the lack of a glove and the ability to like get around the dark world mm-hmm. and so uh i <laughs> lost significantly uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So the game's out for a couple of years and you and I guess Christos decide to submit it for, for GDQ. Is that kind of, can you tell me the story about 
getting it into GDQ. I'm not sure where they were with like ROM hacks and stuff. I think Mario's they were doing some Mario ROM hacks at that point because I remember watching like Poo and and Panga and stuff do yeah, like Jammer or were, something. Yeah. Um I think the the first hack was 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 Dram doing uh like Kaizo Mario Worlds. Right, 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 right. Um or one of the Kaizo Mario Worlds. I, I think it was the first one, but I think you're right. Yeah, I think you're right. But yeah, GDQ was, you know, very much like no ROM hacks, uh, like only speed runs, only on console. And um, uh, a randomizer had never been in GDQ before. And Zelda 1, which was probably like, you know, the underlink to the past for like, you know, randos that are like relevant and like well known. Mm-hmm. Um, they had they had submitted link to the or Zelda 1 randomizer before and gotten rejected because it's like, no, we don't, we don't do this. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it was still relatively early in the, you know, GDQ being open to ROM hacks and like challenge runs and like more right. showcasey kind of things. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we were, we were talking about it and we were like, okay, like, you know, link to the past randomizers blown up. It's super popular. Um, I think we could submit it. We need to get two commentators, uh, that are good and we need to uh make sure this isn't a blow up because then randomizer is never going to make it into gdq again <laughs> right yeah there's a lot of weight into it yeah, if, if it does get accepted that was probably the most stressed i've ever been for a gdq run um mm-hmm. just because like you know if, if that goes wrong that was like you know the gdq's like one one like toe in the water and if it goes badly they're never doing that again right Yep. But thankfully, you know, Chris and I entered GT almost simultaneously and uh and now now look at them. <laughs> <laughs> so like who was it you and Chris deciding to do this or like who who made the decisions to submit it and was there a thought about maybe mixing it up as far as people goes and then how did like Willard and Vitor and I think Patty all all get chosen for for the couch? I don't know who you know decided that we should do it. Like it was probably, you know, like Chris and I talking about it and being like, hey, like, yeah, let's do this. Um, and then in terms of like commentators, we definitely wanted one of the, d- the devs there, um, mm. you know, for for like insight, because, you know, first time a randomizer has been there, like there's going to be questions. Right. Randomizer is yep. not super well known on a grand scale. Right. Um, so, you know, having somebody there to answer like technological questions and just kind of like explain the randomizer is good. And then Patty, uh, you know, funny man, make people laugh. Ha ha. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, a, a staple of the, the Andy couches in GDQ's past. Was he playing rando with you back then? Uh, he, he actually joined randomizer tournaments back then. Oh, wow. Uh, he, he went big into rando for a little while. Um, okay. And then Willard, I think was just probably like, one of the consensus like best commentators from the the early rando tournament days Mm -hmm. and so uh and like willard and patty were uh were friends uh i'm pretty sure and uh you know it's always important to have two people that can get along right uh, while they're commentating especially for something as big as that like we um i think chris and i like asked around like with the people that were involved in the submission like hey like who do we think would be best to commentate this mm-hmm. and it worked out really well 
Yeah, well, yeah, for sure. Were you surprised when they when they picked it up? Uh, a little bit. Like, I was a pretty big GDQ name. Like, I've I've probably done like twenty GDQ runs or something now. I don't even know anymore. Wow. So like, I I'd been a, a pretty like common name in GDQ marathons, um, but Christos hadn't, um, and you know they'd never accepted anything like that before so it was definitely like a little surprising but i i guess i was hopeful mm-hmm. uh especially with like how popular and how how quickly it got popular length of the past randomizer was right so uh, around then yeah so i mean it blew up for sure after that after that moment because it was you know put on on the stage for so many people but in those two years that from 2016 to 2018 was the community growing really fast uh it was growing pretty fast it was definitely like the best randomizer available um and like link to the past is a pretty easy game to get into you know we had we had a bunch of tournaments and then like you know i think like the the first time not necessarily the first time but like where people were like okay this is kind of a big deal was Mm -hmm. when we had the the 512 person swiss right (laughs) right which had never been a speedrunning tournament that big before ever right which i think was after the, the the gdq right yeah i think so Okay, so I think I think yeah, we'll get to that because I know you were one of the admins and <laughs> some of the stuff that went on on with that. But uh, I want to kind of finish up the the GDQ stuff. So you guys chose Swordless. Why did you choose that? Just to show off what Randomizer could do? Pretty much, um, and you know, like GDQ loves donation incentives, so that was a good like you know benchmark. Christos and I were both you know uh, confident that we could do it. Uh, the 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 whole process leading up to it was interesting as well so like the gdq generated five seeds i think maybe 10 mm-hmm. seeds and the staff mm-hmm. like played them throughout the week to make sure they were beatable and then like the day like 15 minutes before they just uh they picked one of them at random um and gave it to us okay uh but yeah i think it was more like you know swordless was one of the only like not glitch heavy options that you could even pick back then. Right. Uh, right. So I think that's probably like more why we had it as an incentive just because we could, and there wasn't much else to incentivize. <laughs> right. Right. Because you know, uh, the, the major glitch stuff can <laughs> a is probably not going to go as well. And then it's a lot harder to follow from a casual per- perspective. Right. Right. And so you talked about being nervous, but you, you both of you played really, really well. Did you have any idea as you're as you're going through how well it was going? And did you have any idea how much of an impact it would have on the community after that? Um, we I mean, Christos and I were both pretty even at the game. So, uh, you know, at that point, it was, uh, you know, decision decision based almost exclusively. Mm-hmm. So. You could kind of tell how it was going um, on stage. Like we had huge noise canceling headphones, but like <laughs> right. the the room was packed mm-hmm. uh, for that run, and you could hear you could still hear the crowd like faintly like cheering when when people got items or whatever. And so like you know I uh, <laughs> I find the hammer from Graveyard Ledge and I hear the crowd cheer and I'm like okay I'm the first one to that hammer let's go dude. <laughs> <laughs> Um, (laughs) get, get the, get the go mode bow from, from pendant turtle rock. Don't hear cheering. And I'm like, uh Oh, (laughs) (laughs) um, but I, I had already dipped pod, I think. And so Chris still had to find the big key and do all that stuff. So like me finding the bow after Chris wasn't too bad or like 
I, I remember like heading to Turtle Rock, I heard cheering and I'm like, oh no, not like this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just like thinking in my head. But you know, I figured with a with a good showcase that it would definitely like get more eyes and more people into the community. But like you never know like what kind of effect right. that's gonna have. Right. And, and to like what extent it's going to end up like you know, affecting people like coming in to actually play and less like right. people coming in to learn more about it. Right. Uh, I feel like the people come to learn about the speed run after they see it at GDQ way more than like, yeah, I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So, so yeah, well, I, we had no idea it was going to blow up that much. It was cool. I mean, the place was packed. It was one of the best runs at that GDQ just on its own, like whether it's a randomizer or not, but you guys put on like a really good show and, like I said, the interest was just huge after that because people learned that it was even a thing, right? Like I grew up playing Link to the Past, but hadn't touched it in a while and then saw like, what the heck? There's a, a randomizer. That's so cool. And then I saw what you guys could do with it. And I remember seeing you hover and I'm like, what the fuck? That's <laughs> <laughs> like, always you about know, the hovering, isn't it? Is. I mean, it is <laughs> super impressive when you, when you haven't, you know, we've all played this game, uh, and we've never seen anything like that. And then you learn that it's not that big of a deal, but uh, <laughs> it, it was cool at the time. Uh, so there's a whole influx of players. And you, then you guys see the, the the 512 Swiss tournament that 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 spring happened. You were one of the admins. And I think Willard said that you end up having to like purchase a, a pro ch- challenge account or something. Can you tell us <laughs> yep. about how all of that happened and kind of the nightmare that was the 512 Swiss? Oh, God. So we uh, we made the Swiss tournament and challenge supported up to 256, I think. Mm-hmm. And we almost hit that like the first day that the tournament like uh, the registration was there. And I was like, <laughs> all right, guys, like <laughs> we need to do something about this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I looked into it or I guess, you know, the, the admin staff looked into it and I was like, okay, challenge pro can host tournaments up to 512 people. I think that's probably our best bet, uh, because there just like, wasn't another tournament hosting website that was that great mm-hmm. back then. I had, um, at that point I had also used uh smash.gg a bunch, um, sidebar i was a semi-professional rocket league player at some point in the middle of all that <laughs> Whoa, um, wow. <laughs> um <laughs> uh but so I, I i was familiar with smash gg but i didn't know like i don't know if its functionality would have been able to handle a tournament of of that size with swiss mm-hmm. it had handled significantly more of just like like 1v1 double eliminations but uh i don't think it's i think it's it's swiss capabilities were basically the same as challenge mm-hmm. uh with no option for a pro uh so so yeah i bought uh <laughs> i bought challenge <laughs> pro uh, and everything went made, perfectly from there right yeah, <laughs> everything went perfectly <laughs> so yeah, every week, um, Willard and I would stay up until ass o'clock in the morning, and we literally went through every single race result to make sure it was done properly. And every single week, when it would come to the 256th match, the result wouldn't process. Mm. And so it would not auto-generate the next round of people. So we'd have to email Challenge support every week. <laughs> 
and wait Jeez. for them to to push the last match through so that it could generate the new matchups for the next week. Wow. Yeah, it was pretty. I I got a refund. Uh, also, <laughs> that's cool. <Yeah>. Um, <laughs> oh man. Oh, but the time that you had to spend each week doing that with 512 runners is just. Oh yeah insane and then there's you know when you have that many people there's bound to be assholes and shit bags and you know the infamous smoke match and you know all the bullshit that kind of goes along with we have one match i don't know what happened it was a match that i was proctoring and so like you know uh, the the seed got generated and they were racing i don't know like what happened but somebody like randomized one of the players like randomized the rando seed and it got super bugged and um like i don't it it messed up a whole bunch of visual things and like one of the players got moon pearl on library and then the other player the other players the the other player went into the library and it was like half a moon pearl half of something else (laughs) and they got the something else so they had no moon pearl in their game and so you know with the with the delay and you know no looking at chat uh it probably took like 45 minutes uh <laughs> for them to like realize that they should stop oh, uh, playing and it was it was really weird i still to this day have no idea how that happened <laughs> back then was there a 20 minute delay as well because i think it, you know 10 minutes the 10 minute delay is the, the standard I, now but i don't remember what delay we used for that feel like we did use a delay um yeah. But I honestly can't remember for the life of me how much delay was used. Yeah. Uh, all right. So sidetrack. Let's get to that Rocket League. So in between all of this, you're 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 doing Rocket League as a as a pro. What's going on there? Uh, so 2015 um, was probably when I took my my largest break from Link to the Past when Ori in the Blind Forest. Uh, a little after Ori came out, and I started speedrunning it. Um, the community was really small, and it was filled with a lot of people who were new to speedrunning in general. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they were, they were doing whatever learning strats. They weren't doing any of like the hard stuff or the, like the frame perfect stuff that saved a ton of time. Cause it was too hard. And so, uh, when I learned to speed run that game, I was like, fuck that. I'm doing all the hard shit. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> I know how to practice stuff appropriately after speedrunning Link to the past for four years. Um, and so, I like helped push that community uh, to get better at the video game faster. And so while I was doing that, uh, Rocket League came out uh, in like August or September 2015. And um, while I wasn't, you know, practicing Ori in the Blind Forest or whatever, I was playing Rocket League with friends. We'd have, uh, I think, like 12 of us of our like friend group bought it. Mm-hmm. And uh, we would just do like in house 44s and just like dick around and like, drive around blow each other up whatever um (laughs) and so we did that for like a couple weeks um and then uh like four of us i think like kept playing the game after everybody else stopped because it was fun Mm -hmm. um and you know somebody with a with a big sports background like me um rocket league ticked like all the boxes it was you know sports based it wasn't mostly automated it was physics based I, i i love like physics based engines uh, in games like I'm a I'm a big old grapple game fan because physics based stuff is ridiculous and so a couple of us ended up playing more and getting pretty good and then I ended up 
<laughs> being the only one that was still playing after a certain point. <laughs> okay. um, but I got good. I was like top 100 in preseason, which led me to like, you know, playing with a lot of the really good players uh, pretty frequently. Um, and then they announced uh, the RLCS, the Rocket League Championship Series. Um, so I found a team and we were... I don't think we were ever like projected to to make it into an RLCS season, but we were close a couple times. Mm. And then let's see, come 2016, I was still playing. People were getting better, obviously. I had made some friends in the Rocket League community, separate from you know, the speedrunning community. Mm-hmm. Uh, they formed a team which was expected to be really good, and. Um, and I was the the sub, and we actually got signed to an esports team. Oh, called Leaf Esports. It does not exist anymore, I believe. But, uh, but yeah, my my first esports signing was not speedrunning related. Wow, <laughs> that's awesome though. And yeah, we, uh, you know, there, there's, I, I think about it sometimes about like you know how my my streaming career might have changed if I had just like we had won two more two more series in that first uh, <laughs> right. RLCS qualifier yeah. or something. Um, Cause then, you know, like if I make that at that point, I'm not playing anything else besides rocket league. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So things could have been vastly different. Uh, For sure. But I'm, I'm, I'm glad it didn't uh, looking at the community now. Uh, I'm like twice the age, if not more uh, <laughs> to like some of the professionals. Right. Uh, so, yeah. you know, it's fine. <laughs> sure. I, I'm, I'm, I'm content with how things turned out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So let, let me ask you this because you've, you know, you've talked about a lot of different things that kind of, it almost sounds like they've fallen into your lap, but you've worked really hard to get where you're at uh, as a streamer and as a speedrunner and, and all that. And it, do you feel like you've, you've really put the time in or do you feel like, uh, like you've gotten a little bit of lucky is a little bit of both. Uh, it's, I mean, it's probably a little bit of both. I feel like there's not a streamer out there that will tell you it wasn't a little bit of both mm. because it's so foreign for, to most of us. Like, you know, most of us stream on Twitch, but in, you know, I make a hundred dollars every two months or something like that. And, or, you know, I buy myself a, a nice dinner or whatever, but I'm not doing this full time. You know what I mean? So the majority yeah. of us aren't making a living doing this and you have to be, you, you know, there's a reliance on other people to, to, to make money in this, doing it this way where you, you know, you don't have necessarily like a, a steady income of a guaranteed paycheck. You got to put the time in, you got to put the work in. Right. Yeah. It's, it, it's really hard to just put in the effort and like expect results. Cause that's just not realistic. It, 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 even in the, in the real world, right? Like it's, it's about, mm-hmm. it's, it's more about the people, you know, than like the qualifications you have. Right. Um, so, you know, it's, it's obviously like there's work, you know, getting good at the video game isn't something that just happens. Um, you know, getting, uh, getting a GDQ run in, you know, isn't just, you know, I know. Uh, okay. It, it could be, you just know the GDQ staff and they want you to run sure, away sure, back, sure. back then anyways. <laughs> right. Um, right. But, uh, but you know, you, you do have to be good. And then, you know, as a, as a streamer, you know, if you're, uh, just sitting there good at the game, but no personality, like, you know, who knows if people are going to want to watch. Mm-hmm. So it, it's definitely a little bit of both, like knowing, knowing big names or just like the right thing happening. Like, like my stream blew up in, in 2015 for a little bit when Mario maker one came out just because a bunch of speedrunners were really good at Mario. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, sometimes it just takes like a little thing. Like there's no, there's no predicting it. There's no, uh, 
you know, preparing for it. Uh, right. Like I'll take uh, my, my, my good pal oats and goats, for example, like he wasn't a small streamer by any means, but like he wasn't a huge streamer, but then, you know, Nintendo announces Metroid dread Nintendo announces it's releasing in like two months. And then Metroid dread comes out, uh, oats being basically an exclusive super Metroid streamer slash speedrunner, uh, gets into Metroid dread and his channel blew up almost instantaneously. Mm. Uh, so sometimes it just takes a little uh, of luck with that. Sometimes it takes a little luck with the, you know, the right bigger streamer, uh, you know, noticing you and, you know, Mm -hmm. like sending raids your way or like, you know, just talking about you every once in a while. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's a lot of those connections. Yeah. It's a lot of those connections that you make when you, when you do, even with GDQ being what it is now, right there's still things like SG live and some of the, some of the smaller stuff where, or, or, you know, some of the stuff that Pooh puts on, it's like, um, you know, ways of connect connecting and kind of like help other people. Right. Like it, it, it doesn't feel mm-hmm. like most people just do it on their own. <laughs> it feels yeah. like it, it takes almost like a team effort. When was the moment for you that you felt like you made it? Um, my channel definitely took off once rando became a little more mainstream. Mm. Um, uh, YouTube helped a lot too. you know, people searching like link to the past randomizer on YouTube and my face yeah. being the one that pops up, uh, yeah. definitely helped a lot. But, uh, honestly, like, I don't really know. <laughs> Do you still um, not feel so, like you've made it? Are you still waiting for that moment? I mean, I'm in a, I'm in a comfortable spot now. I think yeah. we're like, yeah. you know, you, you, you never as, as a, as a full-time streamer, you're, you never want to be like, not that you're not content, but you don't want to be like, all right, this is my peak and mm-hmm. we're just going to chill here. Right. Right. Like, because then other people pass you and then maybe it's not your peak anymore. Right. But like, man, in 2000, like towards the end of 2019, I just had a, I don't really know what it was. Like when mystery randomizer started becoming a thing, mm-hmm. like not that my channel was small back then, but like there's the, one of the walls that, a lot of people talk about is like the 500 viewer wall, like mm-hmm. more than like, you know, there's the hundred viewer wall. There's the 200 viewer wall where like, it, it just seems like you can do whatever and you just get stuck behind that wall for like right. years. Mm-hmm. So one of those walls is the 500 viewer wall. And it, it always felt like if you could break that 500 viewer wall, you were like hitting like six, seven, 800, uh, instead, like you weren't ever sitting at that wall. You were either just short or you were significantly past it. Mm. And at some point in 2019, I'm not, I, I, like I said, I don't really know why it happened at all, but I went from like a 400 viewer streamer, to like a 1000 viewer streamer in no time. Yeah. I didn't really understand it. Um, I'm not even that anymore. <laughs> I, 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 I don't get yeah. a, a thousand viewers a stream anymore, but it was like a solid, like 10 months where I was getting like pretty close to a thousand viewers, if not more, almost every mm-hmm. stream, uh, for seemingly no reason. Um, right. and sometimes that's just how it happens too. Uh, right. it's, it's still a very unknown industry. Right. I mean, market. it's such a, an infant 
it's in its infancy for sure. Like, I mean, streaming is so in the grand scheme of things, so new and, you know, learning how to monetize it and make money from it is still so new. And in 20 years, it'll be, you know, a lot different than it is now, but it might not even exist in 20 years. Who knows? <laughs> right. Yeah. We have no idea. Um, uh, so how do you, how do you keep things fresh? Because you do feature Link to the past a lot on your channel, but you know, you branch out and do other games. You've done a lot of tunic and then tunic rando and yeah, whatever, but Pokemon stuff. But is, is that how you keep it fresh by not just focusing only on link to the past? Yeah, I think with, with, with randomizers specifically, it's definitely uh, more difficult for me to burn out just mm-hmm. because, you know, I can like, while it is playing the same game every time, like now there's so many different like settings and options you can pick right. from where like I can do a casual boot seed like today and then tomorrow I'll be like, I don't really feel like playing a normal randomizer. So let's like do with some insanity entrance shuffle and right. want to die the whole time. Right. Um, <laughs> um, which chat loves more, right? <laughs> they want to watch oh, you yeah, suffer. hundred percent. They love, <laughs> I don't know what's going on, but <laughs> yeah. watching you just be in pain for six hours <laughs> yeah. is fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just like the, the vast amount of like for me anyways, uh, like being able to just pick a different like mode or settings or whatever makes it a lot more difficult for me to burn out. But like, you know, even still, like sometimes I just don't feel like it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that's why it's nice to have, you know, like Super Metroid or Pokemon or like, you know, casual game, whatever to to fall back on. Right. For sure. Do you see yourself doing this for a long time? Like, do you see the future for you streaming till you retire? (laughs) Um, I, I just tell myself that I'm going to do it for as long as uh, I can, mm-hmm. uh, as far as I'm aware right now, anyways, sure. you know, right. Like we don't know um, the future, any, right? Any, like, anything can right. happen. Totally. Like, man, if the government passes some like dumb internet bill, uh, right. then like streaming's just like rip, <laughs> right. uh, right. you know, it's, it's not out of the realm of possibility for something like that to happen. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, I, I definitely enjoy it. And as long as I'm enjoying it and as long as you know, I can enjoy it and also live uh, relatively comfortably. Mm-hmm. There's no reason for me to stop. Sure. Did you ever have the conversation with your parents that like, hey, guess what? I'm doing pretty well. <laughs> like, you know, as they worry about you as a streamer, or were you able to like say <laughs> like, hey, guess what? Uh, it actually would turned out. They it took a while for sure. I don't I think it was maybe that GDQ ran no, they they understood it at a certain point. They're like, okay, well, he's been doing this for like a couple of years and he's not homeless. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> right. So like he's got to be doing all right. Like he comes and visits us, you know, a couple times a year. Uh, you know, it's, we, we don't think he's like peddling drugs on the side, but like, <laughs> right. you know, he could. <laughs> he could be. Um, That's, that could be it. But at some point, uh, I don't remember if it was the crowd control run or if it was the rando run, but the wonderful one one podcast talked about it. And like somebody at my dad's work was like, I'm pretty sure this podcast just talked about Andy. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And uh, so, yeah, th- I don't know. They, they've never like asked me about like money, like situations mm. or anything. Sure. Uh, I, I think they, they probably, realize that i'm like doing okay i guess mm-hmm. kelsey's parents was actually really funny we were we were in you know she was kelsey and i were dating 
uh, and we'd never really like we'd like hung out with her parents like a good number of times, but like I was just like the the gamer boyfriend um, mm-hmm. or whatever. And so like I, I don't think her parents didn't like me, but they were just like unsure, <laughs> I guess, right. of like yeah. what I was doing. Sure. Um, and so we were in Houston uh, visiting her sister, and we went out to some brewery. And the, the brewery had a food truck in the back that we were ordering lunch from. We went to go pick up the food. It was me and her mom. And we went to go pick up the food when it was ready. And we go and pick it up. And the guy who's uh, working the grill was like, you play video games? And I like was like, yeah. <laughs> and I looked down at my shirt because I was assuming like, oh, maybe I'm just like wearing some gamer shirt today. Uh, but I was not. <laughs> and so he's like, do you stream on Twitch? And I'm like, yeah. And Kelsey's mom just like slowly starts looking at me (laughs) and then he's like, are you Andy? And I'm like, yeah, what's up, dude? Uh, He's like, oh, dude, I love your streams. It's really cool. And Kelsey's mom's like, what the fuck just happened? (laughs) Oh, that's too good. Uh, So I think that's when it when it like kind of clicked for her parents that it was Mm. uh, that I was an actual thing. A gamer boy. Right. Yeah. But, but yeah, it's too good. That is too good. Uh, so that was, that was really funny. But yeah, my, my, my parents slowly became more accepting of it. They definitely were the opposite, uh, for a couple of years, I think. Sure. Yeah. You want, you want your best for your kids or whatever, but yeah, yeah. You were able to, to, you know, work hard and, and, uh, and like I said, get a little lucky and, and all kind of, kind of worked out for you. Yeah, they were they were pretty against me me playing video games for for a little like post college anyways. They're like, oh, really? oh, you're just wasting your time. Oh, sure. Uh, blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like you know, a couple bad grades in college. They'd be like, oh, you're throwing your life away. <laughs> and right. uh, and I, I man, the last time I went to visit them, they were like, we were like reminiscing about it. And they're like, man, we're so glad you didn't listen to us. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Because you're doing what you love, right? Like you, you get to make the content that you want to make and it's working out in a way that, you know, a lot of people are going to be jealous of, you know, it's, uh, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool to, to be able to be your own boss and to, you know, play video games for a living. That's pretty damn awesome. Yeah. And just like all the stuff that I've been able to do, like I would never be able to do like, you know, I went to Lollapalooza in 2019 as an artist mm. uh, and like, you know, played video games at the Red Bull uh, outpost uh, <laughs> traveling right. the world to play video games right. and like meet people and take pictures yeah. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot of stuff that I wouldn't trade for the world. For sure. I mean, I, I think you've done a couple of those, uh, grand Pooh sessions. I can't remember what they're called. Mm-hmm. Those, those seem like a blast. And then like, uh, you, you done, uh, like some ESAs and of course the GDQs and all that other stuff. It's like getting the chance to travel and meet people and, you know, interact with the audience is what makes streaming so cool, honestly. Right. Like, yeah sure gosh we've hit the hour mark and we've barely even talked like the <laughs> fact that you've won a couple of tournaments and uh <laughs> we haven't talked about your opinions on the i mean there's so much that we could have covered and shit we've already hit an hour but i want to ask you the question uh that i ask everyone and it's going to be a little bit different because again you do this for a living so you don't have as much of a choice in the way of handling you handle it because you have to but it's about tilt and how you handle tilt whether it be in the middle of a seed or the end of a race or, or wherever you might experience tilt, what's your advice on, on, 
on tilt on, on your way of handling it and yeah w- what's your approach Ooh, that's a that's a good one um so i mean i like i'd like to think that i don't really tilt that much mm-hmm. but uh that's definitely not true um <laughs> right I, I just think like, you know, you, you get better at handling the tilts the more you experience it. And it's really hard to just be like, yeah, just do this and you won't tilt. Mm-hmm. You know, from my competitive sporting years in high school and college and like, you know, playing, you know, I was I was pretty good at sports. Um, so, you know, I played in a bunch of tournaments and like, uh, you know, you you get in those like championship situations. Uh, and uh i don't know the the nerves hitting all those nerves in like my sporting years made those nerves a lot less prevalent in my mm-hmm. gaming years mm-hmm. but yeah i don't know man it's just <laughs> you uh, it, it's just a learned it's a learned skill just like anything else you know sure. playing in high pressure situations rocket league also helps a ton with that uh gaming specifically you know uh playing in a like a top 32 qualifier you know it's definitely mm-hmm. uh, a little nerve-wracking sure so so what do you do though to to calm yourself down or to make sure that it doesn't affect your gameplay or, or any of that uh i <laughs> i think it's just like i don't know if there's like a good way to calm yourself down or to like make it not affect you it's just you know dealing with it as it comes mm. uh you know being able to just like brush it off and be like, all right, that mistake doesn't matter. You know, Mm -hmm. uh, in the grand scheme of things, uh, I I think it's just a skill, you know, like it, it, it's part of the mental way you look at it. You know, you can't, you know, in, in a, in in like a basketball game, like, oh, you take a bad shot, make a bad turnover, whatever. Like if you think about that, the rest of the game, then you're just going to play worse. And so like having, having the mental ability to just, you know, be like, all right, next play. Right is i think just a learned skill that comes with uh you know from experience from a, yeah from experience and from losing and from yeah yeah totally like for, for me i would lose or i'd last locate or I'd lose a race that i you know didn't think i should lose and I'd get pissed and then i was pissed that i was upset about it right right so <laughs> so what i've learned through through counseling and stuff is how to be okay with that to accept it and just kind of like you're like you're talking about not let it affect the next decision that that i make yeah i think i think it's just it's just a learning process and you know for a good portion of the rando community i'd assume this would be their like first delve into like competitive tournament stuff right um at least like in a in a high like pressure, like execution based situation, which is like completely different than like, you know, if somebody came from like, you know, Pokemon trading card game, like, you know, tournaments (laughs) or something where like you're, you might have like a time limit, but there's, it's, you know, it's all mental and not like physical and mental Mm -hmm. being able to, to have control over your physical and your mental is a, is a pretty difficult thing to have. Sure. Yeah, I get it, man. I get it. I mean, I just watched the Mariners lose eight to seven in a walk-off home run in the divisional playoff series. I was pissed. I was pissed. And I had no yeah. even control over that. Like I, <laughs> I, there was nothing that I could do. I was literally just a, a watch, a watcher. But, uh, you know, I had to press on and, and come do this interview regardless because 
It's all right. My, <laughs> it's weird saying my Braves because I'm an Orioles fan, but I live in Atlanta, so like I'm kind of a Braves fan. Uh, and they also lost tonight. So yeah, it sucks. All right, man. Thank you so much for doing this. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, thanks for coming yeah, on the show course. and just kind of telling yeah. telling us all about what's going on. I feel like I have to have you on again just so we can get past like 2018. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's what happens when you've been doing this for 10 years. Dude. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks, dude. Yeah. Thanks for having me. A big shout out to Andy for doing the podcast. Big fan of the dude. Just a pleasure to talk to and really glad that he agreed to come on the show. Definitely going to try to get a second part with Andy because there's a lot more to tell. <laughs> we really did run out of time. So uh, we'll, we'll see if we can get Andy on again in the future. A huge thanks to everyone for season two. I love talking to every single guest that we had on for season two. Season two was huge. Had a ton of guests. You know, we started with Wall Kicks and yeah, just had a blast. And then we ended with Andy and had uh, another blast. Every And everyone on the show this season was great. There wasn't a down episode. It really goes to show you that everyone has a story to tell. Uh, whether you're at the top of the game, whether you're a commentator, whether you're a spectator, whether you're middle of the road, it doesn't matter as far as your status goes when it comes to ALTTPR. You have a story and the story matters. And, and that really showed in, in season two. So huge shout outs to everyone that, that came on for season two. I can't I can't thank them all enough. In season one was mostly my my friends. In season two, I, I branched out to, to people that I didn't know and, and had some really great conversations getting to know people and, and hearing their stories. So yeah, season two was was awesome. And I was really excited coming off of season one. You know, season one went went swimmingly well. I had a blast talking to, to a lot of my friends and, you know, some of the people I didn't know, like Magnet Hands that well in season one was, was one of my favorites. But, I, you know, I was coming off of a high of season one and I kind of overbooked season two. There were so many people that I wanted to talk to. I was super excited. I was, you know, coming off of a high of season one. And I just, instead of booking like 12 guests or whatever, I ended up booking like too many just too many guests and I wanted to keep season two within a certain time frame and that ended up meaning more Thursday episodes you know the show was never meant to be two episodes a week I just had so much fun coming off of season one that I, I just wanted to talk to more and more people but I had too many Thursday episodes and again that's just because I was jazzed off of season one and the podcast isn't hard to make. I, I really enjoy making it. I really enjoy talking to people and recording. I don't do a ton of editing. I don't ed I don't edit anything out of the episodes as far as conversation goes, but I don't do a lot of editing, but it does take a lot of time to put the episodes together because I got to re-listen and make sure everything sounds okay. I have to do these intros and outros and it's not a lot of work, but it does take a lot of time. And then when there's two episodes a week, you know, it just takes that much more time. And as the season has gone on, <laughs> I've gotten later and later and getting the episodes out. I kind of put off the work of editing. It's like the least fun part of the show, but it has to be done. And so saying all this, I just need to take a little bit of a break. So I'm not exactly sure when season three will be coming out, but it will be coming. At the end of season one, I announced all of the season two guests. That's not happening because I haven't booked anyone for season three. When season three comes, there may occasionally be a Thursday episode similar to what there was in season one. But for the most part, we're going to be going weekly for season three. So most of the episodes will be out on a Monday. So yeah, I just need a little bit of a break to kind of recharge the batteries, have a little time to myself, and then and then we'll get right back into it for season three. 
There's so many people to interview in so few hours. So I don't know who's going to be on for season three. I do know that I want to talk to Zelga Desan for sure. I want to get Zelga on. That's like one guarantee that I have for season three is I want to get Zelga on. I also have a mission to try to get Darity Pills on. I really want to talk to Darity. And I haven't asked her or talked to her about this, so she doesn't even know this. But I've heard she's going to be tough to get. <laughs> so it's almost a challenge. I'm hoping to have Darity on the show. I think that would be that'd be great. But there's just so many people in the community that I want to have on the show. If I listed everybody that I wanted on the show, almost everybody in the community and just a long list. It's just not possible. And it's not just the top runners. I want to make sure that's clear. I think I've done a good job of spreading out who I've interviewed on the show. That it's not just like you win a tournament and you're on the show. You know, it's, it's interesting to have someone like Obscure who won the tournament and, you know, hear his story kind of as it happens. But my goal isn't to just interview the top runners. I want to interview everyone no matter where you are uh, in this community. You don't even have to race. I just have to know your name, <laughs> really. The thing is, everyone has a story and no one's story is more important than anyone else's. And so I'd love to hear everyone's stories and I love to talk to the people and kind of, you know, hear where they're at. You know, it doesn't matter <laughs> your status as far as rankings go and the ladder or the tournaments or, or whatever, the league. It doesn't matter. All that matters is that you're a part of the community and I know who you are. I think there's a lot of new people. Uh, PH, Shinmaru are a couple of names that come to mind that I'd love to have on the show that are kind of new to the community and they haven't won anything, but have kind of made themselves known as far as, you know, being a part of the discussions, just kind of hanging out and having a good time. And it makes me want to hear their story. So if you want to be on the show, you know, just be a part of the community. I think that's that's the only real requirement. It's easier to, to you know, name some of the bigger names. Adirondack Rick would be, would be great to hear on the show. Vito or, you know, some of the bigger names, those are easy to name because everyone kind of knows who they are. But uh, there's a lot of people that I want to have on the show because, again, everyone's story is important. And I think that's kind of what 216 is all about, right? Like hearing people's stories, finding out what makes them tick, why you play the game, why you're in the community and, you know, turn you into a real person. So the list for season three and beyond is huge. It's it's huge. There's so many people to talk to. And you know, for season three, I might even do a couple of second episodes. I really want to talk to Andy again and, and kind of finish his story. And Herfy Durfee uh, is also someone that I want to get on the show again. Because if you listen to that episode, we could have kept going for a really long time. So don't be surprised to see Andy and Herf on again for season three. So yeah, that's the status for, for season three. It's coming. That's all I can tell you. Uh, the 216 Weekly will continue as always, even between seasons two and three. So even though I won't be talking about it on the show and announcing the modes on the show, we'll still be doing the 216 Weekly every Saturday, noon Eastern. As we head into like the busy holiday season, I might not be able to restream all of the 216 Weeklies, but I can guarantee you there will always be a 216 Weekly Saturday, noon Eastern. So that will continue on. And then we'll probably just take whoever wins the 216 Weekly and go with their choice for the mode for the following week when we don't have a restream. So that will continue. We will not miss out on the 216 Weeklies. I really can't thank everyone enough for sticking with the show, helping the show grow, helping build the 216 community. I really can't thank you all enough. The show is bigger and better, and the community is more awesome than I could have even imagined when I started dreaming up doing the show. So I really just want to thank you all. And I really want the the, the 216 community to be a place of positivity for everyone, open to everyone, and be a place where we encourage each other and where we have like this common ALTTPR interest, but can expand past that. Lots of sports talk going on in the Discord, and uh, I'm really enjoying that. So if you're into sports, the 216 Pod Discord is definitely the place to be. 
But there's a lot of other stuff going on, a lot of stuff in the off topic, you know, people talking about getting jobs and, and, and the, there's the, the NMG stuff where you have people encouraging each other. And yeah, it's just a cool place to be. So come hang out on the 216 Discord. Uh, 216pod.com has a link that you need. And again, I can't thank you all enough for, for, for being a part of the community. It's really awesome. And again, more than I could have imagined. And, you know, it's not me. It's all of us that make the 216 community what it is. Just a heartfelt thank you for listening to season two. Can't thank you enough. So you're going to want to make sure you're subscribed to the show because season three is going to come when you least expect it. I'm not going to make any grand announcements of like season three coming. It's just going to drop. When season three is here, it will just drop right in your laps. So make sure you're subscribed. We're available everywhere. You can get the podcast on all podcast platforms. Again, 216pod.com has the links that you need. 216 is going to keep going. Really appreciate y'all listening. The show is uh, is special to me. And uh, yeah, I can't thank you all enough. So we'll see you next season. Thank you.